So before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. We read in this week's Torah portion, again, about the mandate to celebrate Passover. And as we're coming to the end of Passover, we want to end well. I hope this has been one of those Pesach times for you where you've had lots of matzah and enjoyed matzah uh, in many different ways. My particular weakness is matzah with butter. Who shares that weakness? It's, it's tough to stop. I want to congratulate everyone who hosted the Passover Seder in your home. I know that just the act of opening up your home and welcoming others, uh, joining together with family and friends, it's, it is awesome, isn't it? God really does show up. He really does uh, meet with us when we do that. And it's great as well. It's great as well when you're... When you're um, attending a Passover Seder with family and friends. So I want to encourage you, if you did open up your home, I know you had a wonderful time, and if you didn't, I would, not didn't have a wonderful time, but didn't open up your home for a Passover Seder, I encourage you, make plans for next year to invite people to your house. Passover is so important, and Not only do we want to begin Passover well, we want to end it well. And for that reason, we want to take some time to remember Yeshua's last Pesach and the final Seder that he celebrated with his disciples. Because when we say we are a Messianic congregation, what we mean is we want to follow in the path of Messiah. Not only do we trust him as our Savior and our Redeemer, but we want to be his Talmudim, his disciples. And disciples walk together with their master, and they follow in his footsteps. They, they learn to, to live according to the pattern that he shows. So I would like you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. And we will look at a few moments right before Passover Starting in verse 3, Mark 14, 3, it says, Being in, in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, as Yeshua sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very expensive oil, a, a perfume of spikenard. So, who's the host? Simon the leper. And there's a question, who is this guy? Is he currently a leper, or is he a leper who was healed by Yeshua? And a, 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 lot of, a lot of commentators believe that he was one of the lepers that Yeshua healed. And so now he's whole, and he's opening up his home to Yeshua. And yet he retains that name, Simon the leper, so that we don't confuse him with you know, Simon the Apostle, or uh, Shimon, the, the, that old prophet who lived in Jerusalem and was at the temple when Yeshua uh, was presented 
Pidyon Haben for the redemption of the firstborn uh, after, um, after his birth. This is Simon the leper. That's, that's who's the host. And Yeshua has come to his house in order to have fellowship together. And if, if you think about this, just to go to this man's house is, is an act of worship. It's an act of celebration because here is a man who was a leper and now he's been made whole. And he's not just getting by, he's now active in the ministry of hospitality. Some of you are really committed to hospitality. You have a heart for hospitality. You know you have a gift of hospitality. But I can tell you this, every one of us can serve the Lord by being hospitable. And Simon the leper gets his, gets his turn in the scriptures while he's being hospitable. So it says a woman came and she had an alabaster flask of very expensive oil of spikenard. She broke open the flask, she poured it on Yeshua's head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and they said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor and they criticized her sharply. Now, Contrast their reaction to her action. She is engaging in an extravagant act of worship. And she is taking something that's very expensive and she's giving it freely to Yeshua. She's pouring on his head this very expensive fragrant oil. So she's extravagantly worshiping And then look at the criticism. The first part of the criticism is this. This was wasted. So the people who were critical didn't even recognize that this was worship. They didn't even recognize that Yeshua was being blessed by this woman and her actions. And they were thinking about the money. They said, this this is expensive. It could have been sold, the money could have been given to the poor. And based on Yeshua's response to them, it's not even clear if he believes that they would have used the money for the poor. But he's he's kind in the way he responds, but he's direct. Verse 6, Yeshua says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. Yeshua is saying to the critics, what she's done is a blessing for me. So it's time for them to have an attitude adjustment. Leave her alone, don't make trouble for her. She's doing something good for me. They're saying it's a waste. Yeshua is saying this is good for me. There are times when your worship, when your ministry, when the time you spend, the money you spend, the resources you spend may appear to other people to be a waste of effort. But you know what Yeshua says? It's good for me. It means something to me when you do it from your heart. So Yeshua says, she's done a good work for me. 
And then he says this, you're going to have poor people with you always. And whenever you want to, you can do them good. So there's nothing stopping you from spending 300 denarii on some poor people. You can give 300 denarii. Why are you insisting she give her resources? You see what the criticism is? How dare she? What a waste of money. What a ridiculous thing to do. Yeshua says, leave her alone. Cut it out. Stop talking like that. Stop thinking like that. You want to serve the poor? You can serve them from now until the day you die. You want to give money to the poor? There will always be people in need who will need help. There's plenty of opportunity. Take advantage of that. And then he says this, but me, you don't have always. She's done what she could. Now remember what Yeshua is aware of and what he's thinking about that the others are missing. He's not just preparing for Passover, you know, like one more Passover, one more Jewish holiday. I I remember one year after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and I, I ended up having to celebrate Sukkot with something like five different congregations in five different cities. And by the end, I thought, I am so tired of Sukkot. There are times when we think, oh, it's just one more, one more. But Yeshua knows, no, it's not just one more. It's one last Passover for him. It's just his last days. Do you understand that? Other people are viewing things as normal for them because their life will go on, they believe, but he knows something. The world is going to be changed forever in just a matter of days. And he is about to fulfill some of the most surprising actions that God has planned. And he is going to die and then rise from the dead and reveal something about the mercy and the the compassion and the forgiveness of God that's available to us through Messiah and the new covenant. He knows what's coming. And he he says to them, I'm not going to be with you always. And then he says one more thing. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. The critics are saying, what a waste. The critics are saying, this is a a wasteful use of money. We should be using this perfume of hers so that we can give money to the poor. Or she should have. And Yeshua says, do you know what's happening? She's anointing my body in anticipation of my burial. He's thinking, I'm about to die. And she knows it, and they don't. So it's prophetic in Yeshua's mind. And he says this, 
I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. She will be remembered. She will be recalled. She will be exalted, if you will, because she saw what Yeshua was going through and she gave the best that she had to him. Yeshua says, you think she's wasting what she's doing? The world will never forget what she just did here today. Never forget. And so the Holy Spirit stirred up Mark to include this in his writings so that you and I and every generation that would read these words would remember what she had done and be inspired by that. So Yeshua is saying, this woman will never be forgotten. But I want you to notice one other thing, Yeshua's attitude. He's got a great attitude. He's actually celebrating with people in the face of his death. He's staring death right in its face. And you know what? He's just still living. He's full of life. He's still got perspective. He's not, he's not morose. It reminds me of Moses. When Moses knew that his life was about to end, he starts praising the Lord. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He feels like this. What a great run I've had. This has been so great. God is so incredible. And he just praises the Lord. And he he is so full of gratitude for the Lord. Yeshua Yeshua shows this kind of uh, hopefulness in the face of challenge for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Now let's jump to chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. It's now the last Passover Seder. Some of the translations I'm using tonight, uh, the New King James as a reference, uh, because it leaves in its uh, translation some unanswered questions. And it's worthwhile to ask the questions. It says, as they were eating, Yeshua, King James says, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. I don't know, was it hot cross buns or something or a nice challah or some kind of sourdough bread? What was this bread? It was matzah, right. So why doesn't it just say he took the matzah to make it clear? Because it wasn't fancy leavened bread. No, it was matzah. How do we know? It was Passover. (laughs) Okay, and he blessed. What does it mean he blessed? It means he made a bracha. It doesn't mean he blessed the bread It means he blessed God who gives us bread. 
And in fact, there, there are two brachot for, for matzah. One is, uh, ends with al achilat matzah, uh, who commands us to eat matzah. And the other one is hamotzi, the regular uh, blessing that we say before we eat bread. And it's who brings forth bread from the earth. But I want you to remember, uh, remember if Yeshua was using both of those blessings, it's very interesting. Because if he's saying a blessing uh, according to, to the structure that, that blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who, uh, who commands us to eat matzah, he's setting in, in, by example, a pattern for us. That as followers of Messiah, we should eat matzah do you get that? And then when, he, um, when he's blessing, if he used hamotzi, who brings forth bread from the earth, I want to remind you that in Old Hebrew, the word for bread, lechem, uh, means not only bread, but it also means body and it means flesh. So it's a, it's a poetic and a prophetic prayer as well, who brings forth bread from the earth. Yes, yes who brings forth the body from the earth. How fascinating that, that the text makes it clear he made a bracha, he blessed. He wasn't blessing the bread, he was blessing the Lord. And then he broke it. He didn't tear it. Have you ever tried to tear matzah? Good luck. Have you ever tried to break challah? Not so easy. <laughs> You, but he broke the matzah, he gave it to them, and he said, take and eat, this is my body. And then verse 23, he took the cup, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them. When he'd given thanks. He was saying, thank you, Lord, and the traditional way of giving thanks is to make a bracha. And it says, they all drank from it, and he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. My blood of the new covenant. Now, as a Messianic community, we remember at Passover uh, the exodus from Egypt, the redemption from slavery, and the freedom that God purchased for us. But we also remember the Passover lamb. We remember Yeshua. And I I want you now to turn to to one last passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I, I was thinking about the statement that, that Paul makes that Messiah is our Passover lamb. And I thought, if you're going to make that statement, it, it's, it's based on something that the people who you're talking to will understand what is Passover, what is a Passover lamb, what is Messiah? Who is Messiah? What is the Messiah? And how could it possibly be true that Yeshua is the Passover lamb? They would have to be able to understand all of that. So you know what that means to me? That Paul, who, who labored so faithfully among Gentile nations, still communicated to them that foundation of faith that was a Jewish faith. 
that had now been opened up for the world, but it hadn't lost its Jewishness. It's not that it was stripped clean of Jewishness. I want you to understand that. If God wanted to send a Messiah who would strip clean all the Jewishness, he certainly would not have been born in Israel of Jewish parents. He would not have been prophesied in the Jewish scriptures. He would not even have been crucified and called king of the Jews by the Romans. Not only that, but if it was God's plan to strip the Jewishness off of Yeshua, he wouldn't even speak Hebrew. And he certainly wouldn't, if he spoke Hebrew temporarily, he wouldn't speak Hebrew after he was dead, would he? But, you know, when he revealed himself to Paul, he spoke in the Hebrew language, the Greek text tells us. Not in Aramaic, though I'm sure he could speak Aramaic, but he spoke in Hebrew. And I think that was just to make a point that should never be lost. So, Paul is writing to the Corinthians who are not Jewish and he's talking to them about Passover. So let's look at what he has to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Just these two verses. Get rid of the old leaven, the old chametz, so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. Now, this would make no sense to people who are unfamiliar with Passover. But for those who are familiar with Passover, getting rid of leaven, it's very familiar. It's part of the process. And then he says, for Messiah, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, therefore, here's where the New King James is so interesting. Let us keep the festival. Well, that raises the question. What festival? What festival is Paul telling the Corinthians to keep? What do you think? Passover, Pesach. Is there another possible festival? No. (laughs) This is the only festival that could possibly be intended when Paul says, Yeshua the Messiah is our Passover lamb. He doesn't mean he's our Easter lamb. You you get that, right? He means he's our Passover lamb. And then he's saying to the Corinthians, keep the festival. What festival? There's only one festival that the context clearly indicates, and that is Passover. And so Paul is telling the Gentile Corinthians, you keep Passover. Why keep Passover? Because we love the Jewish holidays. No, because Messiah is our Passover lamb. I love the Jewish holidays. No problem saying that. But that's not the argument. That's not the rationale. It's not because of philosemitism. It's not because of appreciation of the Hebrew roots or whatever you want to say. It's simple. Yeshua is the Passover lamb. And he's been sacrificed. Keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Unleavened bread. What's unleavened bread? 
matzah. So Paul is saying, matzah, Yeshua, keep the festival. Do you see it? It's just right there. It's in plain sight. We don't have to work too hard at it. We just have to look carefully enough to see what's perfectly clear. This would make sense to the Corinthians because they've been brought into the life of the body of Messiah and they could see how their mentors, the Jewish disciples of Messiah, were living. Keep the Passover. Now, the way some people act is as if Paul was writing to the Corinthians and says, don't keep Passover. But the fact is, Paul wrote it clearly, keep the festival. So we learn something from this. We learn that the Corinthians were brought into the Jewish world of the apostles and the disciples. It wasn't hostile to the Jewish people. It wasn't cutting ties with the Jewish people. It was taking all that was precious about Jewish life and faithfulness and extending it into the whole world through the new covenant that only comes to us through Messiah Yeshua. God came down. Who did the redemption? God. Who stood between the angel of death and every house that had the blood of the Passover lamb on its uh, doorframe? Who stood? God. But wait a minute. I thought God was immaterial. No. He's more than material. But he's able to enter into this very world that he's created. So as we wrap up Passover and we bring it to a conclusion on this final day, it's really important It's really important that we see the integrity, the wholeness, the continuity of Passover out of Egypt and the Passover that Yeshua made possible for us. Both of these belong to us who call Yeshua Lord. I want to pray for you because in the days ahead... You're going to have an opportunity to bless the Lord, I'm sure, in a way that some people will think is a waste. And they won't understand. And you need to know that what you do is from your heart and is an act of worship. And when you're doing anything in service to God, in in worship, in obedience, any act of ministry in the congregation... Anytime you are serving in the body of Messiah, I can tell you this, you're doing it for him. And so let that be your rationale and your defense. And let your love of Messiah motivate you and empower you and make you strong in all that you're doing. And if you do that, then Yeshua will have accomplished something for you. He will have written identity into your heart, into your mind, into your life, so that you could live for him freely and visibly and publicly as a true believer in Messiah. Lord, we thank you 
that you purchased us, you redeemed us, you not only brought us out of slavery, but you brought us into the kingdom. You brought us into your family where you are our father in heaven too. And we're your beloved children. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. We want to live for you and we pray that you would give us opportunity to show that life to others and to bring the good news of Messiah Yeshua to this broken world. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. And let me also remind you that um, there's going to be a Yom HaShoah remembrance service Monday, May 2nd at 7 o'clock at Oakleaf Christian Fellowship. And you're invited uh, to, to attend there as well. So let's thank the Lord. May the Lord be the one who blesses you. May the Lord be the one who, who protects you. May it be the Lord's face that shines upon you. And may it be the Lord's grace and favor that rests upon you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his own peace in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Pesach Sameach.